Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. I have a great interview for you today. I have new news out of Italy where it turns out that a lot less people died from COVID than originally reported. We'll get to that in just a moment during the morning rant. And I've got a couple other little goodies for you. Today, we're going to talk about inflammation, systemic inflammation, what it means, what it does, uh, what are some things that you can do about it. We're also going to talk about something known as systemic enzymes. You may have heard of digestive enzymes. You maybe don't have any idea what those those do or what a systemic enzyme is, but I'm about to uh, have an expert on talking about it. The interview was hosted via Zoom uh, so the audio won't be quite as good as it is right now, and I apologize for that. Uh, we weren't able to connect a different way this time around, but we're working on some new methods to get the sound as good as we possibly can here on Vitality Radio. If you did not hear the episode 175, episode 175 of Vitality Radio was with Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. McCullough is a very in-demand uh, doctor when it comes to all things covid he is a renowned cardiologist and epidemiologist, and he is a really interesting guy because he has a very different stance on COVID than what you're typically hearing in the mainstream media, and yet he's been interviewed by uh, Fox News on multiple occasions. He's been even testified in front of Congress about COVID and his concerns about how it's being handled or rather not handled. Uh, when it comes to treatment for COVID-19. Really interesting interview. This guy has published over 700 medical papers in the most prestigious journals, including the uh, Lancet and the Journal of the American Medical Association and so on. He has the two most downloaded papers in the USA of the last two years, both having to do with COVID-19. So, I was thrilled to have him on my show. He's a tough guy to track down. It took us about three tries to finally actually talk, but I was absolutely uh, blessed to have him. I've already had really good feedback on that show. We did air that as a podcast-only episode. It was episode number 175. So if you haven't found the podcast yet, please do and go listen to episode 175, Dr. Peter McCullough, if you're interested in a different take on uh, uh, from an actual medical doctor who is not anti-vaccine or any of that stuff. He's a dyed-in-the-wool medical doctor, but he is saying that there are a lot of red flags with what's happening in COVID. It's a really interesting interview. I encourage you to listen to it on episode 175 of Vitality Radio podcast. Uh, and then I am releasing more and more of those special podcast-only episodes. So go find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts other than YouTube. I'm not there yet, but I will be very, very soon. Uh, we're working on that. So that's uh, all for the announcements today, other than to remind you that Vitality Radio is always brought to you by my family-owned health and nutrition store, Vitality Nutrition, in Bountiful, Utah. Now, 
I do actually, I guess, have one more announcement. We just signed a deal to have a brand new website put together for Vitality Radio that will have everything you want uh, in terms of information on health and nutrition, including every past episode of Vitality Radio that uh, that we have um, put online, which is right now at 177 episodes, 178, something like that. And in addition to that, the ability to uh, shop remotely from Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, which we have not had that option up till this point. We've had you call us, 801 292 6662. That's 801 292 6662. But around the first part of next year, we'll be up and running in a very, very uh, different way and have a lot of really cool and new things for you. And I just have to tell you one other announcement December 1st. December 1st, we're having a really awesome workshop at Vitality Nutrition. This is part of the Corbin's Academy. Corbin's Academy is a wonderful nonprofit charity that is truly a charity and that every penny that goes into it uh, goes to the charity itself. Nobody's making any money over there. A wonderful, wonderful friend of mine, Crystal Cordingly, uh, runs this in honor of her son who uh, was tragically taken away from her at the age of 14 months. Uh, the story is online at corbinsacademy.com. That's Corbin, C-O-R-B-Y-N-S, academy.com, corbinsacademy.com. If you want to sign up for the workshop, which I will be teaching uh, with my dearest friend, Jen Roberts, uh, that will be December 1st, and you can sign up at corbinsacademy.com. Okay, without further ado, because I will run out of time, the interview is a, uh, a detailed one, a lot of good information. I think you're going to love it. Let's jump into the vital rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, here's the headline. The Italian Higher Institute of Health has drastically reduced the country's official COVID death toll number by over, wait for this number, they have reduced the country of Italy's total official COVID death toll number by 97%. After changing the definition of a fatality to someone who died from COVID rather than with COVID. Now, Early on, and I say early on, we're talking a year and a half ago or pretty close to it, I was talking about how this stuff is being reported all wrong because we know the average person in America that dies with COVID has close to three comorbidities, and we'll go through what some of those comorbidities are, and we haven't been getting accurate representation of how many people COVID is taking versus how many people all the other stuff takes in terms of death. Even Walensky from CDC has specifically stated, as well as uh, Deborah Burks, as well as Dr. Fauci, all those guys have stated that we're reporting this differently because it's a pandemic and you know this is how we're doing it. Well, listen to what 
Summit News is reporting from the Italian newspaper Il Tempo. They reported that the Institute has revised downward the number of people who have died from COVID rather than with COVID from 130,000 to under 4,000. Yes, you read that right. Turns out 97.1% of deaths hitherto attributed to COVID were not due directly to COVID, according to the author Toby Young. Of the 130,468 deaths registered as official COVID deaths since the start of the pandemic, only 3,783 are directly attributable to the virus alone. All the other Italians who lost their lives have between one and five pre-existing diseases. Of these aged over 67 who died, 7% had more than three comorbidities and 18% had at least two. According to the Institute, 65.8% of Italians who died after being infected with COVID were ill with arterial hypertension, which is high blood pressure. 23% had dementia. 29% had diabetes. 25% atrial fibrillation. And add to that 17.5% with lung, chronic lung problems. 16.3% had cancer. 15.7% suffered from previous heart failures. These were people who were already sick with things that can and do kill you. The Institute's new definition of a COVID death means that COVID has killed fewer people in Italy than the average seasonal flu. If a similar change were made by other national governments, it's estimated that the official COVID death toll would be cut by a margin of greater than 90%. So it's crazy how much we hear about misinformation and disinformation with COVID-19 and censorship and all the other stuff. And the funny thing is that all the disinformation and misinformation, according to Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, is coming from the side of the coin of, hey, they're not being straight with you on these facts. In fact, these aren't facts. These are kind of made up to a large degree in many cases, and in some cases completely made up. And all that stuff is being censored. Nothing that is coming from places like Italy or the United States saying, hey, anybody that dies that might have COVID-19, because that's literally what will uh, Deborah Burke said at the very beginning of this, if it is suspected that they had COVID-19 and they die it is counted as a COVID-19 death. None of that is censored. That stuff, all those numbers come through fine because they come from a quote-unquote reputable source, the CDC. Now, you get to decide if you think the CDC is a reputable source or not, and certainly up to you <laughs> to decide that. I certainly have my opinions. But this is pretty hard to argue, this article, in terms of whether or not numbers are being manipulated for the purposes of, well, what? I don't know, more fear, uh, less resistance to government lockdowns, mandates, so on and so forth. I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to say. Right now in San Francisco, with the recent authorization for the experimental vaccines for children 5 to 11, uh, San Francisco is mandating it for five-year-olds if they want to go to a restaurant with their family. There has not been a death in San Francisco for anybody under the age of 20 at all. So I don't know what you believe or what you think about this heavy handedness 
these what early on they were calling them draconian measures and now you don't hear that anymore but it is what they are and the economy and everything else has suffered people's mental wellness all kinds of different things the truth is we just need the truth we need to hear actual numbers that aren't extrapolated that aren't exaggerated that aren't downright incorrect and if we can hear those numbers then probably as adult American citizens, we hope we'd be capable enough to make good decisions for ourselves and for our health. But we don't even know what the numbers are because all of the numbers have been just so absolutely obliterated by exaggeration. And this example of 97.1% of the deaths that were attributed to COVID in Italy no longer being attributed to COVID by the Italian Higher Institute of Health is just one example. Crazy stuff right now. So pay attention to not just mainstream media, but look at alternative sources. You get to make up your own mind. That's the beauty of at least our own freedom of thought, right? Even though freedom of speech ain't what it used to be, freedom of thought, you get to make up your own mind. But if you're only getting all your information from any of the mainstream sources, you're not getting all the information. Okay, I've got to cut to a break. When I come back, we're going to have Mike, one of my favorite guys to interview on the show. He's been on a couple of times before. Mike is from HCP Formulas, but he's been around since long before that company was around. He's a really interesting guy because for almost 20 years, he's been solely focused on systemic enzymes and what they can do for overall health. And when you hear what the potential is for them, you're going to be kind of blown away. It's an exciting interview. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So stay tuned. We're going to cut away for a quick break and then we'll be right back. If you have any questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio, call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. I'm Jared St. Clair and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. 
That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Hello and welcome back to Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I hope you enjoyed the first portion of the show. I know you're going to enjoy this next bit because I've had this gentleman on before. and We've had a, a little snafu the last time I was going to have him on way back in July, but we've got him again. And uh, we're going to talk about a topic that I have spent very little time talking about on Vitality Radio over the years. And I think it's an important one because people don't think they have an alternative uh, in this particular category, at least not that I've seen. Uh, the women that I've talked to are surprised that there's anything natural that they might be able to use for a couple of these things. We're going to discuss women's health to, to a uh, large degree today, but we're also going to talk about inflammation. We're going to talk about pain. We're going to talk about detoxification and, and cleansing of the blood. So there's a lot of stuff involved here. But uh, what I want to start off with, I think you're going to be surprised that there's even uh, an alternative uh, thing that is uh, non-surgical uh, for these, uh, these issues. But before we get into that, I want to remind you that uh, Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, 107 South, 500 West. And of course, if you can hear my voice, we can help you from wherever you are. You can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Okay, so without delay anymore, we will go ahead and get right into this. Mike from HCP Formulas is with us. He is the mastermind formulator and educator over there. He's been on the show before and uh, really excited to have him on again. Mike, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. So the two things that I want to jump into that I alluded to earlier are endometriosis and fibroid cysts. These are two things that in my understanding uh, or, or my experience, I guess I should say, I've talked to a lot of women who've dealt with these things and they didn't think there was anything natural that they could really do to help them. Yet uh, we know, and you know, especially because I know you've had a ton of success with this, uh, that systemic enzymes are actually an option for that. So uh, tell us a little bit first about what a systemic enzyme is. A systemic enzyme, um, there's basically two types. More people are familiar with digestive enzymes. Uh, digestive enzymes you take with food, they release in the stomach, and, and basically give the entire digestive process a head start. Whereas with systemic enzymes, you're taking those away from food. They are protected. It, most companies use some type of enteric coating. We try to stay away from that. But they are protected in some manner to make sure they do get into the small intestine, release there, and bring with them an entirely different set of benefits. Uh, once they get into your blood, I mean, there's anti-fibrosis, anti-inflammatory, uh, cleansing, uh, a whole different array of, of different benefits that come with them up to and including things like, uh, as far as women's issues go, uterine fibroids, fibrocystic breasts, endometriosis, et cetera. Yeah. And it's interesting. The systemic enzyme thing does confuse people. In fact, I would say enzymes in general confuse people because even when I mentioned digestive enzymes to people, I would say more often than not, people conflate that with a probiotic, which of course it's, you know, sort of related to, because they both help with digestion and things like that, but that's about it. And yet people have been inundated with information about the critical nature of probiotics and how antibiotics affect probiotics and so on and so forth. But most people don't know much, if anything, about enzymes. 
So on the digestive enzyme side, those of you who are listening who do understand a little bit about that or maybe take a digestive enzyme, you know that they basically help us to break our food down. If we have a piece of chicken, it has all these amino acids in it. We need the enzymes to help break the chicken down into amino acids so that the body can then use the amino acids for nutrition. So if we think of enzymes as something that breaks things down and digests things um, enzymatically, then that gives us a little bit of an idea of what a systemic enzyme would do once it gets into the blood. So what types of things do systemic enzymes actually break down and uh, help us eliminate from the body? Uh, very simply, they go after proteins that do not belong. Like a, di a digestive enzyme blend is going to have enzymes for fats and starches and carbs and sugars and proteins and so on. Whereas a systemic enzyme blend is primarily made up of proteolytic or, or protein eating enzymes. And the enzymes don't really know anything when they get into our blood. It's our body that gives them their brains. It's our body that tells them where they're going to go and what they're going to do when they get there. And that function is almost exclusively breaking down proteins that do not belong in the body. A great example is with uh, like scar tissue. If you cut your arm open, our healing immediately after that wound occurs, our, our healing factors kick in, uh, repair mechanisms kick in, and you know they stop the bleeding, they start laying down little tracts of fibrous tissue that build and build and eventually heal that wound and form the scar that we see. Uh, you can take all the systemic enzymes in the world and it, it'll eat up all that excess scar tissue that's formed on the outside and it'll absolutely devour any uh, adhesions or internal scar tissue that may have formed inside. But it will never eat up so much scar tissue that it reopens the wound and that's because your body has identified those cells as necessary to keep that wound healed. So it only goes after the excess and doesn't do anything arbitrarily. So you're saying the body actually knows what's going on in there and uh, has processes to uh, protect itself and right. uh, also to utilize the things that we give it to help uh, break all this stuff down. And I love that because it seems to me in today's world in particular over the last year or so, uh, media and government seems to be telling us our body doesn't know what the heck's going on and we need all kinds of outside support to take care of our health. And yet the body is designed in such a way and has evolved in such a way to uh, allow us to make up for a lot of uh, crap that's going on. Now, the, this cyst uh, or, or this tissue that you're talking about, these, these uh, protein tissues like scar tissue and things like that, obviously they serve a purpose at some point, at least scar tissue does. But uh, once that scar tissue is has done what it needs to do, it really is just a waste product at that point. Is that right? In, in a sense, yes. The, the, your body will, the excess. Yeah, your, your body will form the scar tissue that you need, but your body will also keep producing that scar tissue. That's why, um, like even in the case of my mother, she had her gallbladder taken out, and this is years ago, but she was going in every three and a half, four years for additional surgeries just to get the adhesions cut away because the adhesions were growing out and stranding out and, and wrapping around her intestines. So then she'd go out, go have another surgery to get the adhesions cut away, which ironically is only going to lead to more scar tissue. Right. And, and so it, it, it is a repetitive cycle. And when, when we're young and we have all these, this huge supply of enzymes already inherent within us, 
you'll notice scar tissue was minimal. You didn't see your scars really when you were anything that happened when you were a kid for the most part. Right. And that the whole reason why is because we had this abundance of enzymes within us to keep that at bay. But once we get into our late twenties, maybe 30 years old, that supply is dwindled to a point where your body's trying to conserve it. And instead of using them by the truckload, it starts using them by the spoonful. And that's why recovery times take longer, scars are more visible, all, all of those things, because we have that supply that our body's trying to be conservative about how it uses. And that's where supplementing with a systemic enzyme comes into play. Because when you start adding that supply that you, through supplementation, your body quickly adapts to that and says, hey, wow, not only look at all these enzymes that we've got right now, but there's more where that came from. And so your body starts to feel more free to use them again, in a similar manner to the way it did when we were younger. Right. And that's something I think all, if you're listening right now to this, you have experience with exactly what Mike's talking about, right? When you were a kid, you could eat almost anything probably, and it didn't upset your stomach. Uh, I, I tell a story all the time and it's a, it's a ridiculous story because I grew up in a health food store, but uh, that doesn't mean I always did healthy things. And uh, I would take uh, part of my paycheck and it was pretty small, uh, trust me, but I'd take part of my paycheck that my parents would give me and I'd run across the street to the local burger place. And uh, they had a double cheese uh, burger. It was uh, called the Double Deluxe, and I'd get that, and I'd get the uh, chocolate chocolate chip milkshake, and I'd get the order of onion rings. And I mean, it. If I ate that for lunch right now, I think I'd be doubled over for like two hours. But uh, back in the day, no problem. I could get on my bike ride afterwards and ride home or do whatever I want. I mean, it's amazing because the at that age, when I was sixteen years old or fifteen years old. I had enzymes just pouring into the gut and doing what they needed to, to break down the food. And then, like you said, you get injured when you're a kid, scraped and cut and sprained and breaks, all that stuff heals up so much more easily than it does when you're older. And a big part of that, of course, is, well, maybe the, the biggest part of that is simply lots of enzymes to do the repair work from the inside out. So then the question I have is, as the body starts to kind of throttle back production uh, with these enzymes, why is that? Why can't the body just keep dumping enzymes in? Why, why can't it make more? What's, what's the story with that? Well, it, it, it does make more. Your body is producing enzymes, but that a massive supply that it has that you're born with is, I mean, you got to think about it. It isn't just digestion that your, bo your body produces enzymes for. There's 8,300 different chemical reactions that take place in the body that enzymes are directly responsible for. Because first and foremost, they are biocatalysts. They make everything that happens within us happen. They are, are ground zero for a lot of those actions. So they're mm -hmm. being used in all these different manners throughout our entire lives. Digestion is definitely a big part of it. Um, repair mechanisms are a part of it and things like that. But you got to also think too, when we were originally designed, we were designed to live off the land. Uh, I mean, when we went to eat something, it was something we picked right from the tree. It was something we pulled right from the ground. And when you're eating things that fresh and that new, you're getting the full enzymic value out of it. Like uh, you pick an orange off a tree, you eat it right then and there, you will get 100% of, of its enzymic value. 
but you cut it in half and set it on your counter for just 60 minutes and it's already reduced by 50%. So, and then of course, if you cook it, Oh yeah, then it's gone. Then that's totally gone. Yeah. Uh, enzymes, uh, primarily, if I understand correctly, are, are gone at about 118 degrees. Is that right? Uh, no, they, they'll go, they'll last up to 140, maybe even 150. Oh, um, and okay. they can, and they, they start at that point, they start weakening. Uh, mm -hmm. They start losing some of their activity levels, um, but much beyond that. And yeah, they're just toast. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So with, uh, with the enzymes in terms of throttling back production, the, the last point, uh, cause I don't want to belabor this too much, but I think it's really fascinating without this production of enzymes, we will die. Period. That hundred percent, right? You can't live without them. You cannot live. Life in general cannot exist without enzymes. Okay. So they are that critical. It's not like we can just, uh, you know, run out of them and we'll be, you know, less than we were. We, we will be dust. It's over. Yeah. Okay. So that's why the body then is, is, uh, has to cut back uh, production because it can't keep up anymore with what uh, the demands are. And of course, as you said, you know, today's picking an apple off the tree is, uh, or yet yesterday's picking an apple off the tree is today's, you know, uh, driving through uh, the fast food place and, and grabbing something that has zero enzymatic value and yet requires lots of them uh, to break down. So, uh, yeah, so it is absolutely a problem. I tell people all the time, uh, one of the things that are that is in my vital five, uh, the five things that I believe everybody should supplement uh, every day once they hit about the age of 30. Uh, is, and one of those things is enzymes. Now, let's uh, make sure we understand clearly on this. Systemic enzymes and digestive enzymes, some of them are actually the same enzymes, but how they're used and when they are used is the critical uh, thing. So with digestive enzymes, we have to take them when we eat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you're sitting down to eat, while you're eating or maybe right after the meal, they need to be in the stomach when the food's in the stomach, helping you to break that food down. Exactly. Systemic enzymes, quite the opposite, right? We don't want to necessarily quote unquote, waste them on food. So how do they need to be taken uh, effectively? Uh, they definitely away from food. In the case of fibrenza, usually a half hour, 40 minutes before a meal or maybe two hours after a meal. Definitely has to be on an, in, on an empty stomach. And it isn't necessarily because they release it. Like if, if there's a lot of food present in the stomach, then your stomach acid levels are much higher. And so they'll prematurely break down that capsule, causing the enzymes to release there. And then all you really have left is a digestive enzyme. If you take them away from food, your stomach acid levels are lower. The capsule will protect it uh, to make sure that it does get into the small intestine. In the case of fibrenza, it releases right there in those first 12 inches of the small intestine. That's your duodenum. And that's where you're going to have the highest absorption of pretty much everything that you put in your body. And so it releases there, gets absorbed through the intestinal walls into the bloodstream, and then come, then come like I said, a completely different set of benefits. All right. So then let's bring it back to women's health and these issues with fibrocystic tissue and uh, endometriosis. Why or how do they work? How quickly do they work? What's happening in terms of using enzymes to dissolve that type of tissue? As we, as we touched on this a few moments ago, they target proteins that don't belong. And so when you look at uh, scar tissue, whether the scar tissue is on your arm, on your leg, or lining the wall of your uterus, it's all still scar tissue and it doesn't belong there. 
and the enzymes will break that down. Uh, in the case of uterine fibroids, now, yes, the cause is different and the makeup is different, but at the end of the day, the consistency of a fibroid and the consistency of scar tissue are, are nearly identical in almost all facets. And so, again, it's a protein-based matter that just simply doesn't belong. And so the enzymes will start eating away at those. And so with, with women that deal with these things, you know, kind of chronically, they, they get them, uh, you know, more than once. And of course, endometriosis is basically a chronic thing anyway. Uh, but fibrocytic breast, for instance, that's something that a lot of women deal with on a, on a regular basis. Is this something that you can uh, eliminate and uh, keep away through consistent supplementation? If you, if you stay consistent with it, um, yes. And the same goes for any other scar tissue for that matter. Um, yes, you, I mean, you can take your therapeutic dose to get you through that problem time, but then yes, you can drop your dose way down, uh, and take just a, a low maintenance dose to keep it from coming back. It's funny. I don't think we've actually even mentioned, uh, the name of the product yet, but Fibrenza, uh, from HCP formulas is the, the enzyme that we're specifically talking about right now, the enzyme supplement. And it's one that I took, uh, half an hour before we got on this call, I, Normally, it'd have to be a lot earlier in the day, but I'm doing intermittent fasting right now. So I've got a little bit of uh, leeway as far as getting it in before a meal. But uh, it, that has been the challenge for me is, is you know, consistently getting it in at least an hour before I eat, two hours after. But when I do, I definitely reap the rewards. And it's an interesting thing because when we're talking about, you, you mentioned a therapeutic dose versus a maintenance dose. Like right now, I'm uh, I'm I'm working on some... Uh, kind of a therapeutic thing. I've got a couple of things that I'm concerned about. So I'm currently taking three capsules AM and three capsules PM. The therapeutic doses we've discussed before, Mike, generally is three or four capsules twice a day. Is that what you would consider therapeutic? Yeah. I mean, four is definitely going to be higher end. Uh, in a lot of cases, I mean, I, I would say speaking just purely in averages, mild to moderate conditions generally are two twice a day, empty stomach, your more moderate to severe, more chronic conditions tend to be three capsules twice a day, empty stomach. I mean, I probably talk to maybe a half dozen people plus or minus a, a year that need to go to four capsules twice a day before they really have that breakthrough moment. It isn't very often that people need to go that high. Uh, there's no toxicity to it. And, and in the case of uh, scar tissue or fibrosis, and this is universally true against any systemic enzyme blend that's decent, the more you take, the faster it works, period. When you're talking about scar tissue, when you're talking about fibroids, when you're talking about endometriosis, the more you take, the faster it works. So there is no toxicity to it. You can take five or six or even more than that twice a day. You really shouldn't be necessary, but you definitely can if you choose to. All right. And so what should people expect if we're, if we're talking about a woman who's dealing with one of these uh, types of issues that we're discussing, uh, what should they expect in terms of timing? If they, if they go after that therapeutic dose, the three capsules twice a day, four capsules twice a day, how long before results are typically noticed? Most of the doctors that we work with, they'll typically say, expect to take, you know, three bottles of this. And that should get you, depending on your dosing, it should get you through, uh, like three or four and a half months. I would say three to four and a half months, depending on your dosing. Um, take three bottles of this and then come on back. We'll do another scan. We'll see where things are at. Like with fibroids, for example, you 
some some women have you know just one really large fibroid that looks like a baseball in there and some just have a couple little you know pea-sized ones or, or mm-hmm. maybe even a dozen or two dozen small pea-sized ones that are in there so it varies person to person certainly what they're dealing with but in the case of smaller ones maybe maybe some of those will be gone uh or maybe they'll be further reduced in size in the case of like a larger one with a scan, you can actually measure a difference and see that it is getting smaller. So usually it's around the three bottle mark, like I said, three to four and a half months, depending on dosing, is when they'll usually go back for their first check and and see where, you know, take inventory, take stock of where they're at. All right. Excellent. Okay. So then what are some of the other uh, uses that people are uh, finding for uh, fibrinza. Uh, we've talked about obviously the the tissue as far as scar tissue and endometriosis and cysts and things like that. Uh, what other types of things uh, can people address with fibrinza and systemic enzymes? That is a big list. Um, <laughs> start start uh, with a couple of the more common ones. How about that? Yeah, I, I would say our biggest success stories are are going to be chronic pain, uh, inflammation, arthritis. Uh, we touched on scar tissue, uh, fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is another big one, kind of one of the ones that put us on the map to be sure. And I mean, there's a whole host of different cardiovascular benefits that come from them. Blood cleansing, artery cleansing, vascular inflammation, uh, blood pressure modulation, all, all of those things too. Okay. So then let's start with the um, pain and inflammation. Why would systemic enzymes uh, help to reduce inflammation and pain? Uh, because you're not going to have one without the other. Uh, you will not have pain without inflammation. They go hand in hand. Um, right. And if you reduce the inflammation, you're going to reduce the pain along with it. And when you look at inflammation, our entire inflammatory process in the body, if you boil it all down to ground zero, it, it comes down to these little tiny protein chains. And I'm going to drop a big term here. They're called circulatory immune complexes. And without getting like super crazy scientific on you, all these circulatory immune complexes are these little tiny protein chains. And when we have an injury, a trauma of some sort, they replicate, they replicate, they become more and more active and they cause inflammation to occur so that we get a pain signal that says, hey, we need to take care of this. And when we were younger, this is a a great segue to what we were touching on earlier. When we were younger, we had that abundant supply of enzymes. So when we were a kid and we did hurt ourselves, we just got right back up and kept doing whatever it was that hurt us in the first place. And that's because the enzymes are right there at the ready to start breaking down those excess protein chains, preventing that inflammation and fixing the problem rapidly. But when we get older and and the enzyme levels are at the very least uh, diminished and or being um, used more conservatively, though that replication process of those protein chains that cause inflammation become more, just run more rampantly with nothing holding them back. And so that pain lingers for a longer period of time. And when you have those inflamed tissues, it's much harder for the body to recover. So you, you're, that inflammation process is giving you pain but it's also holding back those tissues from repairing themselves to begin with. And especially so, when we're talking about chronic inflammatory conditions that people deal with, right? Even up to a, a trauma or an injury that just occurred. So then in enzyme, in, in 
terms of systemic enzymes uh, and inflammation, the, the beauty of it, I guess, is that there are a lot of things on the market now that people can use, you know, specific to arthritis or specific to, uh, you know, headaches or any other type of pain. But systemic enzymes, I guess, like the name implies, uh, work through the entire uh, body and uh, really would address any type of inflammation. Or is there any form that uh, enzymes don't play a role in? No, any inflammation. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter how how it started. Your body will give the enzymes all the brains they need. And, and like I said, enzymes don't do anything arbitrarily. Your body specifically sends them to a location. This is where you go, and here's what you're going to do when you get there. And that's the big difference between a lot of different things that are out there. There's a, there's a million things out there for pain. But just about everything out there for pain goes after pain kind of from the top down. Let's... Mm-hmm. Let's reduce the ache and let's do it in some chemical way. Whereas the enzymes are actually going to the base of what caused the inflammation in the first place, going to ground zero, addressing the, again, you're not going to have pain without inflammation. So if you reduce that inflammation, the pain goes away too. So I think it's also important to uh, segue into this then in America, it's estimated that about 85% of disease. And I think the top 30, killers uh, outside of self-inflicted things like car accidents and things like that are inflammatory in nature. So, you know, heart disease, any type of cardiovascular uh, ailment, basically diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, and the list goes on and on and on. Cancer is inflammatory. So then in terms of preventative maintenance, just keeping that chronic inflammation at bay, including because we often specifically focus on pain when we think about inflammation. And certainly that's the inflammation we can feel, but there's a lot of inflammatory conditions that we don't feel until frankly, you know, it's potentially too late, Mm -hmm. or at least we're pretty far down that road. Uh, Type two diabetes is a perfect example of that. Cardiovascular disease is a perfect example of that where, you know, everything's fine until you have a heart attack. And systemic enzymes, I think one of the beauties of them is that because they are so comprehensive in scope in terms of covering all the bases throughout the entire body, uh, maybe one of the very best things that we can do for preventative maintenance and just keeping ourselves well long-term. Absolutely. Uh, I just wanted you to agree with me, Mike. I was no, just waiting for you to agree. <laughs> no, no it's, totally, it's totally true, though. In, inflammation is a killer. There's books on top of books on top of books on top yeah. of medical articles on top of published studies. Inflammation is a killer. I mean, it, that's totally accurate. And again, it starts so, with inflammation. the cardiovascular disease. When you touched on that, that is dead on. Inflama- I mean, inflammation can run rampant through somebody's cardiovascular system. And you like with diabetes, a lot of people, when you, when you are on the threshold of becoming a type two diabetic, or certainly if you are a type two diabetic, that inflammation is constricting everything, blood flow, hindering blood flow. I mean, in a person in that con- with that condition, blood flow is generally poor anyway. Right. Um, and so you're taking this thicker, less than healthy blood and trying to pack, uh, cram it through all these different areas that are swollen with inflammation. And that's, that's going to lead to a whole slew of things, poor circulation. I mean, like diabetic neuropathy, uh, glaucoma that pins needles in your extremities, all those microcirculatory areas, 
even in the healthiest of people, blood flow in those areas is generally poor with, with all those fine hair-like capillaries all throughout your body. When, you, when those areas are inflamed and you have less than healthy, like thicker ketchup-like blood trying to go through them, it's just a recipe for disaster. And systemic enzymes address all of those things. They yeah, cleanse the they, blood, they cleanse the arteries, they reduce inflammation, they improve blood flow. They, I mean, there's all these different things that systemic enzymes can do. And you don't need to be on a huge magnum dose every single day to do that. Yeah, I love that. And and one of the things that I think is uh, so, I don't know what the word is, it, it's so useful, I guess, about systemic enzymes is the range of benefits and even things that you don't know are happening that may be happening, systemic enzymes, you know, can address. So even though you may have a very specific thing that you're concerned about, uh, you know, we again talked about a cyst or scar tissue or something like that, you might want to take systemic enzymes for that. You may be thrilled with the side benefits that the systemic enzymes can give you when you're focusing on one thing and they're going uh, through the body and, and cleansing things up and, and uh, uh, getting the the entire body systemically healthier and uh, creating some of those preventative things. So there's this big giant elephant in the room. Uh, every time I talk to everybody about anything right now, and it's called COVID and COVID-19 is, you know, I, I have done shows, Mike, believe it or not, successfully over the last couple of months where I didn't even say that word. And then at the end of the show, I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't say COVID. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've intentionally done that because I think people need a little bit of a break. However, there are some concerns that I have not talked to you about uh, ever before with uh, COVID for whatever reason, it's such an, a unique thing uh, in some ways. And one of the things is that cardiovascular uh, issues can arise from COVID, especially uh, with uh, older people or people that are already you know, compromised. But even in younger people, there's some cardiovascular stuff, also some chronic uh, respiratory things that can happen. Sure. And there's a lot of concerns with the vaccines. I think Moderna is on hold right now in a few countries because of cardiovascular issues that are showing up in uh, myocarditis. Uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was on hold here for a few weeks because of myocarditis and things like that. One thing that I want to mention that's really important, if you don't already know this, and hopefully you do, itis is the medical term for inflammation, right? So mm -hmm. whether it's myocarditis or arthritis or any other itis, uh, bursitis or whatever, those are, of course, itis cardiovascular. Itis osis, actually, because osis is, that's all going to be scar tissue related, fibrosis, things like that. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that, but yes. Any itis, yeah. any osis, boom. Okay, so then what do you know, if anything, I know obviously this is new and it's also controversial and there's all kinds of stuff when it comes to COVID, but how can systemic enzymes potentially be beneficial for people that are concerned about that side of things? Uh, two big things that they bring to the table. One is they are antiviral. When I touched on earlier, like they, they tag, they had, every protein-based cell in your body is tagged as either something that does belong or does not belong. And a virus is considered a parasite, if, if you will. That's how your body views it. And they are antiviral. The other thing that they bring to the table too is they are immune system modulators. If your immune system is overactive, like in the case of an autoimmune condition, MS or Sjogren's or Hashimoto's, it, the enzymes will, systemic enzymes will tone your immune system down. If your immune system is down, 
systemic enzymes will amp it up. So they are truly in every facet immune system modulators. So they're, let's just say, uh, putting you in a position where you are going to be most apt to even have a fighting chance at fighting off something before it takes root. And again, the other factor is too that systemic enzymes are antiviral. Yeah, and so you've got a really interesting uh, kind of twist on it. I've I've known about the antiviral properties, of course, of of enzymes for years. And I say of course, but I work at a health food store. I don't think most people do know about that. So that's of of significant value. But this myocarditis situation that's happening, like I say, with people who are getting sick with COVID and also people who are getting um, the vaccines, there's a lot of people that are very, very concerned about uh, how that is going to play out. And a lot of people trying to prevent right now at Vitality, uh, we have people coming in, you know, looking for quercetin and NAC and vitamin C and zinc and vitamin D and all the big ones that all the, you know, frontline doctors are talking about. Dr. McCullough, who I had recently on the show talking about those things, and they're hunting down or trying to find things like ivermectin and HCQ and so on and so forth. And yet I don't have anybody coming in saying, hey, I need some systemic enzymes for prevention of COVID or for recovery from uh, COVID or recovery from the vaccine or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And maybe this needs to be a bigger part of the conversation. So you've been doing the systemic enzyme thing for what, 20 plus years? Uh, coming up on 20, yeah. Coming up on 20 years. So, and and what has been your experience with uh, through all the years uh, with systemic enzymes? Why do you think they're so commonly overlooked? Like this seems like something everybody should know about. It should be in the news that uh, is because the range of uses is, is so wide uh, and the benefits are so great and the side effects are zero. Uh, wh why aren't we talking about this more? Because it's a, it's a more complicated subject, I think. Um, I mean, like, we don't have Dr. Oz shouting from the mountaintops like he does with raspberry ketones. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Yeah, well, raspberry ketones are a lot more beneficial. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a, it's, like I said, it's a complex subject. I mean, you say serapeptase. A lot of people, I mean, a lot, you say raspberry ketones. Oh, raspberry. Okay. Yeah, I, I know what a raspberry is. You say serapeptase. I mean, you're lucky if people aren't already nodding off before you finish the word. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And, and, it's, and like I said, there's 8,300 different chemical reactions that enzymes are directly responsible for. Honing in on this certain aspect of those chemical reactions in such a huge ocean of them is it's difficult for a lot of people to grasp. And then again, like, like when we were talking about inflammation, I said circulatory immune complexes. I really hesitate even saying that. When I'm talking to a consumer over the phone, you know, with questions about what, what, it, what, what it does or how it works, or I hesitate to speak in those terms because I don't want them nodding off on the other end. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it involves a lot of complexities that a lot of people just don't have the attention span for, I think is, is really the primary, the primary reason why you don't see it more, more discussed. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So one more thing before I let you go, we have about three more minutes. Uh, you mentioned fibromyalgia and I've been meaning to kind of jump back to that simply because I think that's another thing that most people who struggle with fibromyalgia 
kind of are at their wits end in many cases on anything that can actually help. And most of them have tried lots of different things, pharmaceutical and natural with, you know, limited or no results. And there's a lot of frustrated people out there that have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. How can systemic enzymes help there? And how is that, is it different than anything else that we've, that we've discussed? Not really. And I'll tell you why. In fact, it's the reason why fibromyalgia is such a, a bread and butter condition for systemic enzymes. The reason why is because when you, when you look at, I mean, there's a court is out. I mean, everybody's got a different opinion as to what is fibromyalgia. Right. Um, everyone's got an opinion on it, but there's two absolute universal truths that nobody can escape. One is systemic fibrosis and two is systemic inflammation, period. That is fibromyalgia. What caused it? Again, there's a million opinions on that, but what really right. matters, it's systemic inflammation coupled with systemic fibrosis and, and the and systemic enzymes do an amazing job of targeting both of those things. Excellent. Okay. Well, that, uh, that answers the question, I think pretty succinctly and even on time. So we do need to wrap this thing up. Let's just uh, make sure that we have everybody clear here at the end. So Fibrenza is the name of the systemic enzyme that we've been discussing. Uh, it is a, a formula now that we've been carrying at Vitality for, I think, close to two years, something like that. Um, and have had some really good success with in uh, most of the categories that we've talked about today. And uh, if you, in order to take it correctly, you need to take it on an empty stomach, at least an hour before a meal, uh, two hours after a meal, op optimally we're doing that morning and evening. Uh, there's a therapeutic dose that you can take anywhere from about two to four a day would be a, or sorry, per dose would be the therapeutic dose. And then a maintenance dose of one or two, is that right, Mike, mm -hmm. twice a day? Um, and I think that's pretty much what you need to know, but the good news is, uh, the folks at vitality, uh, have those answers for you as well. So if you're driving around, you can't write down notes, can't remember exactly what we talked about. Just give us a call 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 at vitality nutrition. And we'll be more than happy to take care of you over the phone. Mike, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you again. Thank you so much. Good luck with life right now. I know uh, it's crazy for everyone and it sounds like it's even crazier for you. So I really, really appreciate you uh, giving us your time this morning. I was totally happy to do it. Always am. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining uh, me on Vitality Radio and uh, you have a wonderful day. All right. So that was, uh, I, I love that interview. There's so much good information within that interview. You may even want to go back and listen to some other parts. If you want to share it, you can go to any of the web or any of the podcast uh, apps and share that episode. Remember to go back and check episode 175 with Dr. Peter McCullough as well. It's a good one. Really, really good. I think you'll enjoy it. A lot of information within that that, again, is being censored in a lot of places. And I'd love for you to hear it. Episode 175 of the Vitality Radio podcast. Okay, I've got to run. I hope you enjoyed the interview. If you have any questions, as always, no matter where you are, you can reach us on the telephone, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Thank you for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio.
You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.